Representative Gloria Johnson, and we're here on the Standing Tall podcast, part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. You can find them at tnholler.com or check them out on social media at the TN Holler. And a uh, great way to get all the things that are happening in Tennessee. They've got their eye all across the state now. But I'm here today and we're going to do some talking about the upcoming election, about voting. I'm here with Tammy Kaucius. She is one of the election commissioners in Knox County. And uh, she can tell us a lot of stuff about absentee voting, things about the new voting machines and uh, any questions you might have. And we'll hopefully answer some questions as we just go through and have a chat about what's happening in Knoxville. Hi, Tammy. Hey, Gloria, thank you so much for having me on here. Well, thanks for being on. There's people, there's a lot of question, a lot of concern around voting. And so I think just having a conversation about that can hopefully um, clear some things up for folks and make them feel a little more comfortable about their vote. And that's what we all want. And uh, there's a lot of changes going on. And in particular with the pandemic, we are sort of all finding our way and there's a lot of difference of opinions about how to do it. So I'm glad you're doing this and I'm glad you're having this conversation so we can start talking about it and hopefully you'll get feedback if people have more questions and we can figure out a way to answer those as well. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm real interested in, of course, I'm not going to see it this, this election in August because I'm, I'm doing an absentee ballot. Um, but one of the things is I'm really curious about the new voting machines. And I know you're, you have some familiarity with them now. And we, we had talked, you and I, about maybe doing a, a demonstration, a visual on Facebook Live or something like that. But so how are you feeling about the new voting machines? So, you know, I actually feel, I feel really good about the choice. And so I'm going to kind of go back a little bit just to get um, some background as it relates to how we actually have do voting, do elections in the state of Tennessee. So as you mentioned, I'm on the Knox County Election Commission. And so every county has their own county election commission. And then there's a state election commission. And then by law, every commission is made up of five members. And then the three members are from the party that's the party, the majority party, so the party in power at that during, for, the, for that particular period. And two of the commissioners are made up from the minority party. So all across the state of Tennessee and all counties and the state, every election commission will have uh, three Republican commissioners and two Democratic commissioners. So I think that's important because um, if you're in an extremely polarized time, that tells you a lot as it relates to voting. So anyway, back to machines, every county, the state allowed or said that every county can get their own machines. And so our machines in Knox County, we had, you know, there was a whole process and commissioners weren't really actually allowed to be in on that, but we voted 
on the um, the top bid and also had a demonstration. And to my knowledge, and you may know better than me as it relates to statewide, but to my knowledge, I think we might, we're certainly the only large county, big one of the bigger counties, that actually approved a true paper ballot voting machine. So um, I feel really good about it. I feel really good about the outcome of it and the outcome of the process. And um, I saw the machines, you know, when the vendor gave us an actual demonstration, we got to see the machines and I did a certain amount of due diligence just for my own self to be comfortable voting on it. And so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that we have, that we made a really good choice. Now we we're, I'm really glad there's an August election before this huge November election where we get to work with the machines and see how, you know, where there might be some uh, bottlenecks because inevitably there's probably going to be some problems because it's just a whole new process, but it's great. So you're going to actually, unless you need help, like if you're, um, if you have some, something going on where you need assistance, then uh, you may need what we call a, uh, a, a DR, I can't now remember actually what exactly what the acronym is, but uh, where you have a machine that's actually marking the ballot for you, a, a ballot marking advice, device, BMD um, is a term. So if you're not into that situation, then you or I will go in there. And if we're going on day of the election, then we're in the precinct we have to vote in. So there'll be the ballot, they'll hand you a paper ballot, you'll have your own, you'll either have a pen or be given a pen, and you go and mark your ballot. And uh, then you take that ballot, and you're going to walk up to a scanner. So the ballots will be scanned, you'll walk up to a scanner and you feed your ballot in the scanner. And so it'll like it'll feed through and then the ballot will drop in a box that's uh, secured underneath the machine and then you leave. So we have true ballot, we have true paper ballots in Knox County and I feel great about it. And for our fellow counties and our sister counties across the state, I kind of wish they would have gotten this too, but at least, at least Gloria, we took care of our county. <laughs> And I was excited to hear because I had heard that was the best machine and I was excited to hear that that was the choice that Knox County made. And I would say to my friends in Davidson and, and, and Shelby, like, why didn't y'all pick this one? Yeah. And you know, I don't know how counties do it. It was a little bit, uh, um, because they go through a government process since it's government, since it's county funds that are acquiring this, mm -hmm. these, uh, because it's expensive, you know. Um, they do go through a requisition protocol that's usually governed by county by county, and we actually weren't in on that process. So our uh, um, administrator of elections at the time, uh, he got a group together made of I can't remember if it was three or four people, and he was very careful to also have representatives from both parties on that group. And then they worked with the procurement office in Knox County. And that's how they kind of came up, narrowed down what vendors' sub submissions were, and then came up with what their recommendation was. And so it, for, you know, for us, it turned out, the, it turned out, in my opinion, for us to get the, the very best choice, because 
even before that, as you, you know, even you, people have been, election security's a thing, right? Yeah. And we want to know that our vote counts. And we've been reading more and more about vendors that might be sort of not, I don't even, you know, even if they're, nef whether they're nefarious or not, it almost doesn't matter. Are they buttoned up enough actually for a modern, for a modern process? Maybe they aren't. And so, you know, we read in the news what's happened with certain machines. And um, so the confidence in the vote is really important. And I think paper ballots at this point in time are really important for that confidence as well. So I, I agree. I think Davidson County got a, a, a a machine, a system that requires, that is ballot marking assistance. Um, so, you know, the whole point to having paper ballots, the real benefit to paper ballots, confidence is one thing, but one of the reasons that, and you just a tactile, tangible thing that you know, well, okay, here's my vote. You know, didn't you always feel a little weird with that little scrap? Of paper? <laughs> but um, the, the other thing is that you maintain an audit trail and that's important. And so, you know, by law, these ballots have to be saved for a certain period of time. And you get to have an audit trail in the event there is a challenge on an election. Now, what I wanna see, I wanna see a next step, which we don't have in Knox County, and I don't think we have them in any counties in Tennessee, which is kind of like um, risk limiting audits. So audit processes that we automatically put into place uh, that we undertake after every election. Like randomly. Random audits. Yeah. That's right. Because what they have found is if there's certain, generally speaking, within certain margins of error, almost every precinct will have similar, um, similar uh, variances in the vote mm -hmm. compared to the win. And so sometimes when you see really uneven um, voting from one side to the other or under votes even you can actually make assessments like okay we need to look into this more and it would be great if all counties would actually have some processes where they did that just as an automatic method to ensure that the machines are working right the computers are working right and also that we're all you know everybody's votes are reflected so well, that's the next step I think it's really important. I think that's that would be an, an important step right now because we are sort of in this critical time where I think there are too many people that don't trust that their vote is bit getting counted the way that they placed it. And it's funny because I've talked to people who want to vote absentee because they don't trust the machines, but I've also talked to people who want to vote on the machines because they don't trust the absentee ballot in the mail. So. I think we're in a place in this country where we need to assure people that these votes are being counted as they were cast and to restore some integrity in the ballot box. And I think the audit that you're talking about would be a really good step in saying, you know, this is, it, it makes everything more transparent. That's right. And I think it's a really great idea now, whether the, uh, you know, that has to get approved and then costly. Have, it's, it's costly. You have to hire people. But one great thing about the uh, machines that we actually are using in Knox County is since they're new, um, they've been designed by the vendor to actually accommodate these kinds of audits. And so we could roll right into it. And I, I, I think that confidence in the voter, you know, 
I think that's an incredibly important thing. And I also think, and this is going to sound, well, I don't know how it's going to sound, frankly, but there's a certain amount of um, hope that we can sort of maintain a kind of integrity to what we're doing as a political process. And, you know, I'm sure you and I could have a whole other conversation on this thing where anybody will say, and you could bring up anything and people will say, it's gotten political. <laughs> now it's political. And this is like half the time I don't even know what this means. And I'll even hear that like with voting, somebody will say, well, I, I heard that, you know, it's a, you know, you're on the election commission. That's, you're not supposed to be political and <laughs> like it's nuts. Cause in this state it's precisely political. Now, if we could have another conversation about whether that's the best way to do elections in any state, is there some way to be, you know, nonpartisan as we have races and, you know, election process, but, but the confidence, like, is it, we're at a time where that, I kind of think that we're in a best position, we being election folks, because we're political by nature. It's always a given. So we're, st but we're still taking an oath to the Tennessee constitution and our interests should rise above that, you know, and they do generally rise above that as it relates to, well, I'm speaking for myself as it relates to me, you know? Well, and I, and I think a lot of times when people say it's political, I think what people mean is it's partisan. You yeah. Know, I think that a whole lot of times when people make that statement, you know, this has become political. What they mean is like take COVID-19. Well, it's become political. Well, it's, yeah, but what you're, what I think they mean is it's become partisan. Wearing a mask is a partisan thing, you know, in, in some time, in some circles. So. Yeah. But I mean, what, at some point, what is, what is Everything's political. I mean, you know, it's a representative democracy and, so you are part of the process, which is another cool thing about what, what we're doing is there are some rollouts on the machines mm -hmm. uh, where we're doing, when I say we in that case, it's really the office. So the, the, the folks actually getting pay, <laughs> paid, to, you know, like to do these jobs. Um, they are doing some public demonstrations and, um, and, I, and I hope people, I do hope people go to those and see them. Now, even in absentee voting, because now we know we have this current situation with absentee voting where the the doors have been opened, not not full wide, but at least wider than before because of the pandemic. And we know that in Knox County, so you have until the end of the month to request an absentee ballot for the August election. Well, um, and let me clarify there, they're really asking that if you're doing it, if you're requesting it by mail, that you do it or or request please do the request online especially after july 16th yes um, doing it by calling them and they have to mail it for you is going to take a while so it's best to do it online after the 16th absolutely i'm really glad you said that because um in in general if i have any concern about the absentee ballots it's that time span there, but also in relation to the deadline to get the absentee ballot request into the office and then the actual election. Mm -hmm. So, um, so right now, you know, you can submit it via online and, and that's going to mean that you're going to get in the system as having requested an absentee ballot a lot faster. And then when they go to mail you out a ballot, which does have to happen, 
um, then you know you'll you'll be hopefully avoiding any late rushes. So it's those people which can happen both by design and also just by life. It's those, that way to the last minute where we're going to have, I think, uh, it's just going to be more difficult. And we're already experiencing in Knox County an incredible number of absentee ballots compared to the usual. And I don't remember the last numbers. And, you know, there's the last a, number was about 8,500. 8,500. And that's usually a lag, you know, so that's, that's usually got some lag in a couple, some days because mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's, it is. That's unheard of actually. Um, and I know and we're only halfway there. Time one. Well, time, yeah. Are we, well, a little more. I mean, I wonder how many one more we'll get. I know that. We have till July 30th. And so I don't even know what the day is. <laughs> it's the 10th, isn't it? Yeah, so we've actually, yeah, so we've got 20 days. I think we'll get to 10,000. Yeah. Now, well, I think we'll get higher than that. We'll, we'll see. Now, so, you know, this might be interesting to your listeners because I didn't really realize this until I was on the election commission. So absentee ballots are, um, they go in, when they come in, so, you know, step one to getting to voting by absentee is you have to request a ballot. So it's a two-step process. First, you request the ballot, and then you get the ballot that you can vote. But um, once you get the ballot and you vote it, and assuming it, it comes in, what happens is those go into these locked boxes. And they're actually like sort of old style, you know, mini filing cabinet boxes. You know, I don't remember now. They're like maybe 24 inches by 12 inches and they have a slot. And I think we, and our county had to have new ones made because we were getting so many absentee ballots. So we're up to 45 boxes. And each of those boxes, and we've already done this, county commissioners have already done this, election commissioners, which is you actually go in there and lock them. So you get, so I have a key that is a blue key. It's a blue democratic key. And then my fellow Dem commissioner that's uh, been appointed by, that's a democratic commissioner, he has a key and then the Republican commissioners have a key. And so each box has to be locked by one Democratic commissioner and one Republican commissioner. And then there's actually a tie on each lock that's numbered. And so right now those are in the off, you know, they're somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where they are. And as every ballot comes in, because now we're getting ballots rolling in, mm -hmm. um, voted ballots from the absentee ballot process, they go in those boxes. So those lock boxes, uh, they, I think the office will scan first the barcode and then they do check the signature mm -hmm. and then they put the entire thing in the box and then they have to stay locked and stay locked up until election day. So to get unlocked, the election commissioners go back down there, check the tamper resistant tab to make sure it hasn't been Tam, you know, tampered with, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then we unlock them, and then they get thrown out on a big table, and the then the process goes. And because again, we have so many absentee ballots ish, this particular um, cycle, there, you know, I think that they've had to hire, of course, more people to be on the absentee county board, and it's kind of it's very logistically detailed, I guess mm -hmm. is the way to say it. 
And, you know, to your point on confidence in the voter, I think one of the leading ways to, to um, gain or maintain confidence is just to be more and more transparent about that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But you also don't want to be like, you want to be transparent, but you don't want to let like 50 million people in because you got to maintain the, the privacy and secrecy right. of ballots. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really fascinating. And I think when people understand how the ballots are stored and kept, so when they come in those boxes, none of those boxes, they're not designated by districts or locales. They're just, they're they put it in a box until that box is full and then they put it in the next box. Yeah. I mean, now that little detail, Gloria, I don't, <laughs> I can't tell you for certain. But they're not, the boxes aren't designated for districts. They're not designated. They are not, well, the, um, they probably are numbered, but they're not designated in terms of your ballot comes in. So even on the ballot, like if these if folks who go through the absentee ballot process, when you actually fill out your ballot, you'll put it in this like yellow envelope. And then on the back, there's this one piece affidavit, one little, I call it a page, but it's a flap, envelope flap affidavit. And you have to fill out that affidavit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you mail it, uh, well, then that gets put in a thing. And then when you mail that, you mail a nondescript letter envelope. And then when it get, comes into the election commission um, and those folks do open that up as it comes in, that yellow envelope, which is what comes out, it does usually say which primary you picked, mm -hmm. whether it's Republican or like the, 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 the pre-printed label will say that. But that doesn't have any relationship to anything in terms of putting that ballot in a box. Like there's not Republican boxes or Democratic boxes or anything like that. So you're right, they all just kind of go in and then get filled up. And then when they when those absentee boxes are opened to be counted on election day, they're sort of, I, mean, I say dropped out on the table because you know there's like a county board there and then they'll take the affidavit off and just totally separate the affidavit from the ballot. Mm -hmm. And at that point, there's no connection whatsoever. Um, and I'm not actually positive about that now that I think about it, Gloria. I'm not sure if they take the affidavit off before. I think they might. Okay. But um, there's so they're not separated. Like there's no numbering on the envelopes. There's no like there's no separation in how they get put in the boxes or in how they get counted. Okay. And then, you know, what's important to realize too, is that because like when we say counted and we have to have live people there, but they're actually scanned. So the ballots are taken out and these stacks are, you know, then you get all these stacks of ballots and then you actually scan them in a scanner. Okay. And so just like when you and I, if we vote in person, and I know you're not going to do that this election, but it may be that that scanner spits your ballot back out. And so we're going to have to see how that works because this is our first experience with these machines. But I've asked the staff, you know, what did y'all program? Because, you know, how you program a machine can also determine what's read on the ballots. Mm -hmm. So how do you program it to determine what gets spit out and what doesn't get spit out? what gets rejected, let's say. Yeah. And uh, so if you and I are in person and our ballot gets rejected, you know, hopefully we're we going to be standing right, right and we can see what the issue is. So, but with absentees, you can't really do that. 
And so if there are like rejections in that process, then the counting board, the absentee ballot board um, is actually going to, you know, you'll get one person from each party actually reviewing the ballot and making assessments on what was the intention of the voter. So like if you were outside the lines or maybe you did a long mark that went through two or something like that? Yeah, it could be things like that. Or maybe you marked for two two candidates in one race. Uh-huh. That would be a rejection. And I think that um, if I understand correctly, I think that this particular, uh, that, that the office has actually also program the machines to reject if you didn't fill out the back ballot, you know, cause we have like oh, a okay. ballots front and back printed. And, you know, I can see that happening. I can see that happening to me. I go in there and I fill it out and, you know, I haven't used a paper ballot in actually, I'm not certain. I'm, have you ever voted a paper ballot? Uh, for you? I don't think uh, I ever have. I mean, when I was young and I went into the booth with my parents, I remember them sometimes using them. So, I mean, I'm not even accustomed to flipping the page over, right? Yeah. So that's something that um, I think they've programmed the machines to reject that ballot. But now something like, okay, I only voted one race, let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say I just voted one race, but I didn't vote all the races. Like, it won't necessarily reject that. Because yes, that's, a lot of people do that. That's exactly right. You know, I didn't realize how many people do that. Mm-hmm. Really, obviously, in the presidential year, you'd think that that would be done a fair amount, but it's actually done pretty much every race, like undervotes and overvotes. You know, it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. One. I think I think that I would call that the drop off. I think that the drop off number is is very telling. You know, and I always think about uh, a lot of times we don't have people running against candidates. You know, a lot of times there's only only a Republican county, uh, candidate running or maybe only a Democratic count, candidate running in some places. Um, but it's interesting to me when there's a drop off. To me, it shows that people aren't that interested even in that one candidate they have to offer. Yeah. And I'll, I, I pay attention to that drop off number because I think that is meaningful and telling. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I think sophisticated, like it, sophisticated analysis on voting and candidate appeal. I think it really is. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, it's get, it can get pretty statistically sophisticated too, because, you know, a lot of people in, elections will just vote talk, you know, Yeah. only the mayor. If they don't know any of the people, then they're, you know, like if I were, if I was to go in there and I didn't know anybody in a particular race, I wouldn't vote if I didn't know them. And so I try, you know, I educate myself before I go in, but even just because I wouldn't vote just for a party if I didn't know who either candidate was, I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, I, I mean, at this, I wouldn't do it just because it's unlikely at this stage that I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I can't say that I've <laughs> that I've never done that yeah. in my entire voting history because sometimes, you know, I think about being a student when I voted, and I mean, I can't promise that I was that interested in, you know, property assessment <laughs> <laughs> when you were eighteen. <laughs> when I was eighteen at the time. 
But, you know, I, I do think you're right. It's a really, you call it drop-off votes. That's pretty cool. I mean, I've not heard that term. I think we generally look at it as undervotes or overvotes. And, of course, in a presidential election, you'll see that frequently. Right, right. Um, but the good thing is, is that one, I do believe <clears throat> that with this current pandemic, uh, some of the interest in absentee voting, and I've actually read some statistics. I mean, we're really high. Knox County's really high, but other counties are as well, yeah. statewide. And I don't, and I think it reflects a lot of stuff. I mean, I think part of it reflects a concern about health. I do think, <clears throat> I do think that's part of it. But I also think people like the convenience of it. Sure. But I kind of want to stress something you raised earlier about the date. You know, the last day to request an absentee ballot is July 30. <clears throat> well, the election is six days away. Right. Yeah. All right. If you wait to the last minute to request a ballot, then um, you've got... I mean, you've got six days and now you, you cannot drop your ballot off. You cannot hand deliver an absentee ballot. So you have to mail it. You have to, you know, I guess you can FedEx it, US, UPS, but you cannot drop it off or hand deliver it. So practically speaking, you have less than six days. So you really, it's not something... That little time period right there. Now you get it now, you can mail it in now. You know, as soon as you get your ballot, you can mail it in. So I guess I want to encourage people not to wait to the last minute. Absolutely. I really think that's kind of, it's cutting it close as it is on the statutory timelines that we have. And so I really, really hope people act immediately if they want to, if they want to vote absentee. Well, and I hope so too, because you can run into this situation you know, you're always nervous about, well, I, I got my absentee. I'm afraid it's not going to get in. So I'm going to go vote. And then you can get yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So now you can, now if that happened, let's say worst case, um, you go and you actually, let's say you get your absentee, your request for an absentee ballot, you get your ballot mailed to you mm -hmm. and you just don't get it yet for whatever, you know, you, you, or you're, you don't have it. And election day rolls around and you never got a ballot. Now, right now, my, I think Knox County has put up a kind of database so that you can check and see if your request has been received or if your ballot's been received. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think it's, I mean, it's not gonna be instantaneous. And if we get, I mean, with this onslaught of absentee ballots, they're probably running, you know, a few, probably four or five days behind hopefully they'll make sure to try to get that updated daily when we're in the, um, you know, early voting and all those, but, but still, I mean, it's something that the office is trying to do so people can have more confidence when the ballots come in, but say they don't like you you go on that website and you don't see that your ballot's been received or you don't see that you've received your ballot or you haven't received your ballot and election day rolls around. What are you going to do? And so I know a lot of people I've heard people, talk about that. And I guess, you know, I think the thing to do is that you would show up at the polls 
and ask to vote provisionally, or you would explain the situation and they should give you a provisional ballot to vote. Okay. Uh, and so if that happens, that would be the thing to do. What you obviously don't want to do is vote absentee and provisional. Now, let's say you vote absentee and, and mail it in, but you never get, get any reflection that your, your ballot's been received. Um, then what do you do? Now, uh, if you go show up and vote provisionally, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things out there that, you know, you voted twice, people can claim that's fraud. And if you intentionally vote twice in one election, well, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so um, I think there you've got to just kind of gauge where you are with regard to what you're trying to get done. And, and hopefully we're not going to have, we're not going to have that situation. I think that's a rare group of people. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why the election commission is really going to encourage people do that early. So that's exactly right, and I think they're being pretty good about pushing it. And part of the reason yeah. I think they're being good is I think we're getting really good results. Like in other words, my understanding is people aren't like you know they're not we're not having a lot of problems, and we haven't had a lot of um, ballots rejected. And so I feel like, because, you know, one of the leading reasons some, a ballot would be rejected is somebody didn't sign the affidavit on the envelope. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we don't have a lot of that going on. Um, I, mean, I, have, I have one friend who um, heard from the election commission that they didn't think the signatures matched. So she had to go in and verify that it was her signature. Um, but she worked downtown, so it was easy for her to go down in there and do that. So Yeah, and, you know, that's a good... Um, I'm like, sure that's rare. I, I think I, it should be, you know, I hope it's rare. And I'm, my understanding, it's been rare so far in the process when I um, have checked in with the office. And, you know, that's kind of like raises a bigger pick point, which is if I could say one thing that somebody could do to get involved in voting, but, you know, if they, if they don't have an election they want to work on, a campaign they want to help a candidate with, uh, or, you know, they're not moved to to work in, in that way. First of all, poll workers, all that kind of stuff. That's an incredible way to contribute to your community and get involved in the process. But also coming to election commission meetings or otherwise getting involved with, with elections and, heck, and asking, you know, and that's also election commissioner's jobs too. Like mm -hmm. we, we should be asking and getting the word out. So in other words, the question uh, is, and this is, you know, the question for all of us is, okay, well, how many actual rejected ballots have there been or whatever, you know, and um, when you have like 8,500, you said, requests. And so um, uh, I also understand that actually most of those are converting to voted ballots, which mm -hmm. I think is pretty interesting. I think that statistics can also be very interesting. Yeah. You yeah. know, what is that ratio? Does that indicate a more motivated voter you know if somebody's yeah. going to go through the trouble of asking absentee is that usually a more motivated voter some interesting statistics like that but then you ask like how many have been rejected and that's something that other counties you know people I mean, that's something statewide folks should get involved and be asking those kinds of questions yeah well what about what about the makeup of the election commission i just have to ask so um 
are 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 you the only woman on the election commission or are no, there- the republicans have appointed a woman as well okay and you know and it changes as you know i mean and we've had other at other times the election commission the makeup has been different than it is now and so there's th- three males two females all white mm-hmm. um and and you know, interestingly, three lawyers. Uh-huh. So the Republican commissioners have two lawyers, and I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not going to say it's a requirement uh, to be a lawyer. It's certainly not. Obviously, I mean, it's absolutely not. But I can say it helps. Yeah. I mean, it's not a prerequisite, and it shouldn't be. But it get it can get to be a pretty it can be, be a pretty technical area. And I think, I think it's really important that there is um, a lot of conversation between electeds and the election commission, between the, uh, the election commissioners and their party, because I, I think sometimes they get so caught up in what they're doing that they don't nece- necessarily report back to some folks. And I remember when I was chair of the party, I felt like I didn't know enough of what was happening on the election commission, that we weren't um uh talking enough you know polls might be closing that people didn't realize and yeah and that's why i think it's critical that people who are interested show up at those meetings i know they make them at really difficult times but um just just showing up at those meetings and seeing how the process works will tell you a lot about how you might be able to help or get engaged i agree i couldn't agree more and I think this is something that you know it's a matter of accountability in terms of transparency so just knowing that people are showing up I think heightens everybody's game yes and um knowing that at questions are being asked heightens everybody's game well and, you know, absolutely take, and you know for me like I'll take it on myself like if I'm if I recognize that I, uh, somebody might ask me a question about what's going on, then I will feel more, I'm going to be more prone to ask the questions. I mean, it's human nature really more than anything. And it is a pro, you know, it's not kind of dramatic. I mean, it can be, the end results can be, but it can be logistical. It can mm-hmm. be kind of, you know, detailed. It can be, strangely uh almost um tech technical it's a tech you know like oh well you gotta the polls have to close by a certain time or oh well you have x number of days to do this oh well military ballots have to be mailed out whatever so it can in that way i think it can seem dry but it's actually pretty fundamental to um our rights as citizens and it's just taking the time to understand how all of that works i mean everybody's not cut out for it, but there are a lot of people who may not be cut out for door knocking or phone calling or something like that, but they would love to get in the weeds on, you know, how I could be a poll worker or a poll watcher. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's actually, it's actually important work, you know, it's very important work, like poll workers that uh, show up, they go through the process, so you get trained. You know, you get trained to be a poll worker. 
Um, and then I think different, you know, I know the Democratic Party's done a really good job locally in the past uh, about poll watchers and training poll watchers. But you, then you go deal with your community. You know, you're actually working at a precinct or a poll and you're dealing with your community and you're learning a lot of, you're learning a lot of stuff. You're learning new things. And I kind of think it's, I think it's a cool thing to do. And I'm, we've been really fortunate so far with all these absentee ballots that guess what? We have a very big election in November, <laughs> very big one. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we're going to really, and we're in a pandemic, you know, and now didn't, you know, did I read, you know, we're a hot spot. Yes, we are. And not in a good way. <laughs> As a, some to be, something, uh, I guess we had to be the best of something. We're not a hot spot for the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, we got that, you know, so we have a lot going on that would indicate that we got to be careful, I guess, the administration of the election to have the poll workers there. You know, we want sufficient yeah. poll workers. And you don't want to see some of these things that we see in other states, like, you know, what we saw in Georgia. And, you know, we don't want to see this kind of thing. And, of course, that's also a Nashville thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's not just a county-by-county county thing. And so, but at least in the, you do what you can, right, and what's in front of you. And I think if people, the more people got involved, the more directly related they would find that they feel to the democratic process. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just, it's a great way to be a part of the community. There's so many people that just love to go on election day because they like to go, it's always the same workers or whatever. And some of those folks are tired and maybe don't want to do it anymore. So we, you know, get some new folks in there that can, uh, be that standard bearer for when you go to your precinct. Uh, as long as we continue to do that, we'll see. But, and, um, you know, I know people know this, but in case they don't, you know, you do have to request an absentee ballot. Under our current situation in Tennessee, you have to per election, you know. Right, yeah. We're not a state that you can request it in perpetuity. Perpetually, yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing that's really important to point out is if you have never voted before in Knoxville, you cannot vote um, absentee the first time. You have to vote in person or you can go by the election commission and verify your ID. Then you can vote absentee. That's right. But that's you, if you, like I talked to a young man who's going into the military. And so for the August election, he will be here. For the November election, he'll be at training. And so he called the election commission to say, look, I want to vote in person in August, but I want an absentee for November. What should I do? And either he misunderstood or they said the wrong thing and they sent him an, abs an absentee ballot for August. So now he's worried that he's going to have an absentee and he's going to have to vote in person. And um, so I told him he could just go by and do the ID. Um, but I so think he, he was a first time voter. Yeah, he is a first time voter. Yeah. Okay. He knew he was, I love the fact that he was really trying to make a plan because he knew he'd be here in August, but he would right. be training in, in November. Right. 
you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it, what form it is, but there's also, if you're in the military, you can get, there are different, there are different rules for absentee voting for um, active military. Yeah. So that's, so maybe we can go offline. I can help with that some to see if he is actually taking advantage of that. But I also think that part of the, um, you know, I I myself am like, am I going to vote absentee or not? Because I actually like the experience of going to the polls, but also I think if I were not a commissioner, I would just vote absentee. I really would this go around and maybe a lot of go rounds, but I want to actually go through the process with the new machines mm-hmm. at a, you know, I, I really want to experience it as a voter. So I've decided in the August election that I'm going to, um, you know, vote in person. Yeah. And see well, how it goes. Let me possibly change your mind <laughs> because I, I went and I was like, well, I worked really hard to get absentee. I've never voted absentee. I'm going to do the absentee experience. And now I'm so glad I did because as you know, I was recently exposed to COVID. And what if I had planned on voting election day or, you know, the, the last day of early voting or something like that. And I had this exposure and didn't feel like going out to the polls or like that was fair to people for me to go out. Yeah. If voting, if the, if the last day to vote was Monday, I wouldn't know what I would do. Yeah. Because like, I didn't go see my mom last night because I don't want, you know, until I know that I'm not positive. Well, isn't that go actually- around anybody? I mean, that's a really good point, Gloria. I mean, because that, uh, particularly now, you know, we are a hot spot too. So, I mean, yeah. theoretically, right? We're going to be around more and more people. And then you, sometimes, I mean, I, in your case, it's like just so blatant, obvious. Like, you know, you're, you're exposed around, you're exposed to somebody who's positive, who took no, I mean, who was not even. Did, yeah, and I was in a room with them for 10 hours. Right, and so you're in the closed space. That's yeah. number one. He but didn't have a mask on. Not, he's not masked. Did, but. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. And also, my rec- my understanding is that if you have been exposed to somebody who's positive, the CDC recommendation is you do self-quarantine. And that's what I'm doing. And if that happened to me before... During the- a voting period, yeah. I might have to get on there and... Uh, <laughs> you might have to think about that. I might have to think about that. And, you know, it's actually... Maybe that, you know, that's probably a reason in and of itself for for people to push towards absentee ballots. You know, one of the things I wonder is how many of these absentee ballot um, are first-time voters. I mean, you know, we've touched on that with this guy. I I suspect it's not a lot. I suspect you're right. I, I think that probably it's not the younger people they want to go vote in person. They're also the ones who are still kind of going out. So, you know. right. <laughs> they're not that. And, you know, and also, as we know, they tend to be uh, lower motivated voters in, in, in general. But, um, but, you know, it is, I am curious to what extent is absentee ballot, absentee ballots actually a convenience and to what extent is it, a method of safety and you know right now in this particular I think, time I think it's majority safety this time I really do 
but but it might get people to say, oh, wow, that was cool. I'll do that next time. You know, well, we have good experiences with that in other states. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have good, we have some decent evidence right now that easy absentee voting increases the actual participation in voting. Well, that's and good to know. So that's kind of interesting. It's also less expensive. Uh, you know, there's lots of benefits to it. You know, I think there, and then you'll hear some cons about it, but really it's just another way to actually vote. And in this, and in this particular climate, just your example alone is evidence on how it's not just helping you, but it's helping your community. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I might have to go, I might have to go submit. <laughs> well, cool. Maybe I convinced you. <laughs> But, uh, well, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the information. I hope that we have given um, folks some food for thought and something to think about as they go vote. Um, any last minute something you'd like to tell folks as far as our conversation so far? I'd like to say vote and also get everybody you know interested in voting absolutely it's our democracy that's right we've got to keep our democratic processes intact thank you <laughs> we and by participating is one of the most underrated ways to do that absolutely. and also if you want to absentee vote don't wait Send in your requests now and mail your ballot in as soon as you get it. I know it's easy to say, oh, I've got a couple of weeks. Just go ahead and do it now. That's exactly right. Yeah, do it. Yes. All well, right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Tammy. And um, don't forget, everybody, to check out the Tennessee Holler on the web at tnholler.com and on social media, the TN Holler. Uh, everything that's happening and they've got a podcast network now which Standing Tall is a part of and I'm really happy to be a part of that so we will see you and well we will hear you next Tuesday have a great weekend everybody Bye.